Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. I am your host, Fred, the NFL Always Offseason GM. And after a week off to recharge and kind of hang out with the family, we're back at it here on the podcast. So we had a great episode for you today. Uh, as we talked about before the break, we plan on getting into some of our summer scouting stuff. Uh, I've been watching a lot of film on a lot of guys here and kind of starting to build out a big board. So uh, watch probably uh, you know somewhere between 75 to 100 prospects here. Uh, based on some of the national consensus of guys who are at the top right currently. And uh, we're going to run through like a top three and have a couple honorable mentions at the at different positions. So today it's going to be the skill guys, the quarterbacks, running backs on offense, and wide receivers. Uh, the next day or next week will be the offensive line trenches. So tackles, interior offensive linemen, and then also we're going to throw tight ends in with them guys as well too. And then the next day will be D-line, so edge, interior, and linebackers. And then the last day we'll finish up with corners and safeties. So it's going to be a lot of good content. Uh, the draft is, is honestly my, my favorite part of the NFL calendar, other than obviously the Super Bowl and the season. It's just always been super interesting to me, and I'm, I'm really into it every single year. So this year I decided to do a, a, a deeper dive just for myself that I've never done before. And really tune in throughout the entire year to, to kind of scout these guys and get a good grip on you know who's going to be at the top and who's going to be where come draft day next year. So, so just to get into what what we going over today. But uh, first, before we get into any of the scouting stuff, we're going to drop in for some recent NFL news. In recent league news, the first bit of information that we're going to dive into here is Nikhil Harry, the former first-round wide receiver out of Arizona State, selected by the New England Patriots in 2019, has formally requested a trade from the team. So essentially what's been going on is he's been oft injured, and he's also hasn't got the target share that he's quite like getting beaten out by the likes of guys like, I believe it's Demetrius Bird, and then it's also Jacoby Myers in addition to some of those targets going to Julian Edelman in the past couple years here. So he's looking to move on from the team. His agent formally requested a trade. Uh, it's interesting because I don't really know necessarily, like, why they're doing it now. Like, it, you would have thought to maximize some value, you'd do it during the draft. But you look at it now, I mean, they'll be lucky to get a fifth-round pick. I'm thinking it'll be more closer to, like, a sixth or a seventh. So... Most likely looking to move on from a guy that's had almost no production during his time in New England. So, nonetheless, that's uh, some off-season transaction news that will be coming down the the avenue here. So, the next piece of information is going to be everybody's favorite Aaron Rodgers saga. So, basically, everybody knows that Aaron Rodgers played in the match this past week uh, with Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson, and Bryson DeChambeau. And essentially, he's fielding questions on his future in Green Bay. Uh, someone asked, oh, is he going to be the starting quarterback for the first week against New Orleans Saints? And I I roll my eyes every time I see these questions asked to Rodgers just because, like, what do you what do you think this guy's going to give you? Do you think he's really going to come out and say, oh, yeah, I'm not coming back on some random interview request during a golfing match? Like, it's, no. He just... It's a formality, like, they have to ask the question, I guess, but it's just it's just annoying, like, he's not going to give you nothing, if he was going to give you something, why wouldn't he do it on his own terms, so, yeah, nonetheless, he, he basically answered the question saying, huh, I don't know, I guess we'll see, I'm going to take some time off and figure it out and get my body right for training camp, so, 
your, your typical canned answer that you'd expect from a guy of his caliber in a situation that he's in. So the next piece of information is going to be Josh Gordon uh, recently, I believe it was last week or before the, or two weeks ago, somewhere in there, uh, sometime while, while we were off. But uh, Josh Gordon applied for reinstatement to the NFL. So most recently he was with the Seattle Seahawks in 2019 where he had 27 catches, 426 yards, and two TDs. I know he split time between there and New England, but it was predominantly the Seattle team that he was a part of. So I, I still think he's got some left in the tank. I think he's like right at 29, 30 years old at, at this current moment. Dude is a physical specimen. I still think he's got something to offer. I don't think they utilized him to his full potential in Seattle. So hopefully he can catch on to a team here and get back in the league because uh, it's always better when, when he's on top of his game. And I'm all about second chances, even if this is his third or fourth one now. So, And the last piece of information that uh, I wanted to go into, and it... I, I do. I, I don't want to do this because I want to. I'm doing it because it was out there, and it's it's if it's true, it's disgusting. So Barkevius Mingo, the outside linebacker for the rec- recently signed with the Atlanta Falcon, Falcons, was recently with the Chicago Bears. Actually, was just released from the Atlanta Falcons on uh, accounts that he was recently part of an investigation for child. Uh, indecency or something like that due to like sexual contact with a minor which if that's true that's absolutely disgusting i know everybody deserves their due time in court and i believe his agents already come out and refuted it saying that it's all false allegations but nonetheless that's it's a pretty disgusting act and to be even accused of it so we'll have to monitor the situation and i hope to god it's not true just for the 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 minor involved but uh, by some weird chance uh, that it is true that's he deserves to be out of the league as he is already so that's it for the the recent nfl news i just wanted to touch on a few things that came to light while we were uh, during the the off period here but uh next up we're just going to dive right into our draft stuff so here we go so as promised here we're going to dive into some of the scouting stuff for the summer uh for the 2022 NFL draft. Yep, 2022 NFL draft. Uh, going over some of the prospects that are currently in college football. Uh, we're going to basically dive into the traits that they kind of bring to the table, some of their stats from last year, what things that they can work on, and uh, obviously we'll, we'll have them ranked. It'll be one through three, and then if we have time at the end of, of each position, we'll just give you a couple honorable mentions. Guys that we didn't quite go in depth on, but we've scouted, watched film on, kind of got an idea of what they're going to be like coming into the year here. So right off the bat, we're going to dive right into quarterbacks. And first on our list, and actually my, my number one overall prospect at the moment here, and I don't really see that line changing, is actually going to be Sam Howell, the quarterback out of North Carolina. Uh, Sam Howell, I'm, I'm a huge Sam Howell fan. Uh, last year he threw for 3,586 yards, uh, 30 TDs, 7 interceptions, and it comes out to about 11.1 yards per attempt. And uh, really it's, it's, it's been impressive numbers for him in his true so- uh, freshman and sophomore campaigns. And he's really poised for another big season here. And he's, he's really going to have a chance to try to separate himself from the pack as most of his weapons, or at least the big name ones that he had this past year, and De'Ami Brown and Daz Newsom and Javante Williams and Michael Carter, all the all the help he had at the skill positions on offense are, are now gone. 
So it's it's going to be his show. He's going to really have a great opportunity to separate himself from the pack and show that he's really the driving force behind this offense. And when I look at his game, uh, I always thought that this guy's got an absolute howitzer for an arm, and he's really just slinging the ball really fast. It's really coming out of his hand really fast. And I'm just not sure if it's how his mechanics are, where he's he's just getting so much torque so quick and such a quick release that it's just seeming like he's got a ton of arm strength. But I really thought, like, the best comp for him is, like, a stronger arm Baker Mayfield. The, the dude is built just like him. He's a little bit more athletic, and his, his throwing motion is eerily similar, but it's just coming out so much faster. So I thought that he had pretty decent arm strength. But also, when you take a look at his game, he's got really good deep ball accuracy. And I was, I'm not sure if it was the Virginia Tech game or the AM game where he threw this ball, and it, it was about from the 45, 50-yard line, and he throws a deep strike, and it just flings it right off his hand, comes flying out. And you're like, man, where's he going with that? It's that, That's really, really screaming out of there. And he just barely gets it into the back of the end zone there, De'Ami Brown, where he just drags one foot. It was right on the money. It could, if it was even a half a yard further, this is an out-of-bounds play. And it was just, it was really impressive, uh, the touch that he displayed on that throw. And it, that, that was just a huge, like, collection of what he brings to the table as a quarterback as well. So... I think that the number one thing he's going to have to prove is can you do it without the elite of talent around you coming into this season? And I, I really think he's going to. I think he's going to establish himself as the clear-cut number one, and he's really honestly number one in my book currently. So next up, and it, the, the gap between Sam Howell and this next guy is really not that big, but it's everybody's going to know of this one, obviously. It's Spencer Rattler, the quarterback out of Oklahoma. Spencer Adler threw for 3,031 yards last year, 28 TDs, 7 INTs, and it was about 9.6 yards per attempt, so slightly less than Sam Howell. Not quite as eye-popping numbers there, but still, it, it, that's pretty impressive none, nonetheless because he did have a little bit of a rocky start to the season, but he really came on at the end of the year. And when you watch his game, I, I really think he's extremely mechanically sound, and once again, he's also primed for a big year. When you're playing with Lincoln Riley, you're gonna ha- you're gonna throw up crazy numbers. The the guy knows how to scheme guys open. But like I said, he's mechanically sound. He's got a really quick and easy release. It just seems like the ball just it, it's flawlessly coming out of his hand, and it doesn't really look like he's trying that hard. It, it seems like there's a lot of touch on his throws. And honestly, I think he's got more touch than Howell. So you're gonna see a lot more accurately, more pin place balls. It's not like it's it's screaming out of his hand. It seems like. And when I was watching his tape, I didn't really notice a lot of like these small window throws where he's just fitting into these tight gaps, uh, not really taking a lot of chances. And that's and that's not necessarily a knock on him. It's just it's the offense that Riley's running down there. He's, he's more adept at scheming guys open, and you see a lot more free-running receivers. So I, I don't really think that it's necessarily a knock against him that he's not taking these chances. It's just you're hitting the open guy, and the open guy just happens to be more open than other offenses. And once again, he, his size is similar to Howell, and I think he's a little bit better athlete, but he's not like this elite athlete. He's not in, you know, like Trey Lance, Justin Fields territory, or even not even close to like Lamar Jackson territory. So he's got good enough size, not like huge. He's, he, I believe he's like 6'1", low 200, so he could add a little weight to his frame. And for his size, he's he's... 
he's an above average athlete, not elite athlete. So I, for him, really, it's he had that rocky start in 2020, and really, it's just continuing what he did down the stretch because he really did post good numbers after that. And it's he's he's in a very friendly offense. We look at guys like Jalen Hurts and Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, all guys that came out of there recently that have gone, you know, top two rounds and two guys were another number one overall pick so i mean really the the, the, t- the stage is set he's just got to show up and he's got to sh- put on display this everything that we know that he can do he's a former big time recruit so i mean all the upside in the world and it's he's just got to realize it the last uh, quarterback that we we're going to go into detail here is going to be the quarterback out of usc keaton slovis so Keen Slovis last year in the Pac-12, they had a shorter season, so USC was only able to get six games in, uh, so basically like half a season. But uh, Keen Slovis threw for 1,921 yards, 17 TDs, and 7 INTs. So you can see it was a little bit uh, higher or lower TD to INT ratio there. So when I when I take a look at his tape, I, I don't see as much arm strength necessarily as... Rattler and Howell he's still got you know average to above average arm strength it's just it's not to the same degree that the other two guys had so in my mind Rattler Howell elite arm talent elite arm strength Howell a little bit more so than Rattler Slovis average to above average uh, arm strength I think where he really where he excels is with his accuracy and it's almost it's almost to a fault at times I think he's I can't quite tell if he's just not getting that far in the progression or if it's just a bad choice, but he's he's thrown into a lot of these tight windows, which is where I get to the point where it's it's almost like he's overly confident in how good his arm accuracy is that, hey, this guy's not that open, but I'm going to hit him rather than get to the second or third progression in my reads here. So let, I think that's the number one thing he's going to have to work on is just making better better decisions not taking unnecessarily or unnecessary risks, not necessarily try to force the issue. More so, just use the arm talent that you got, hit the open guy, move along. Because I, I USC is probably going to be one of the top teams in that division this year or that conference. So he's going to have the opportunity, and it's he shouldn't need to force the issue with what he's got around him. So. The last thing I'll add there for Keaton Slovis too is he's he's not this like crazy great athlete. You know, he's not Howell and Rattler are are aren't plus athletes. They're above average. But Keaton Slovis, he's he's average at best. Uh, I don't really see him being much of a read read zone threat. He's more of your traditional pocket passer. So uh, that's what we're gonna round it out here in the top three for our quarterbacks. A couple honorable mention guys wanted to mention. It's gonna be Malik Willis. And uh, the QB out of Liberty, he super great athlete. The dude is like a human joystick back there. I seen someone on Twitter recently mentioning that he's he's the closest thing that we've seen since Lamar Jackson. And I would agree, he's he's pretty electric when he when he's got the ball in his hand and outside the pocket. But uh, he's he's got a lot of stuff to prove. He's got to develop a little bit more as a passer. But if he does, I could definitely see him being like a first round type of guy. Uh, JT Daniels, another guy who's going to be playing for Georgia in the SEC. He's going to have every opportunity to show it against the the elite competition that shows up in the SEC every year. If, if he can have a great season, he could vault himself into one of those top positions as well, too, for consideration. So next on our list, we're going to jump into the running backs. And uh, RB1 in my book, running back one, is going to be Brees Hall out of Iowa State. 
the running back last year ran for 1,572 yards, 21 TDs. Uh, that comes out to about 5.6 yards per carry. He had 23 catches, 183 yards, two touchdowns. And really, when I watch his film, I, I see a complete back. This is a guy that can literally handle the workload. He's He is the most important part of Iowa State's offense, in my opinion. Uh, he, he doesn't really have, like, this huge, great home run speed, but it, it, it's good enough. You know, he's it's not like he's running, like, a four seven four eight out here. He's a guy that's running, like, mid-fours, and he, he's going to do great enough. He's going to do just enough to, to keep you going. But in my mind, a complete back. He's, he's able to run the ball. He can be in a, a gap power scheme. He can run in an inside-outside zone scheme. He's a, a great in catching the ball. He's got soft hands, in my opinion. He's a threat in the pass game. So I, I just think he can do it all. I, I don't really see much he can't. He's very difficult to bring down. He, many times dragging defenders. And, and he's demonstrated by Iowa State, Iowa State being like the focal point of their offense. He can really handle that that big workload that you see from your traditional RB1s in the draft. So I think he's RB1 by a pretty decent margin. Uh, the, the other guys on our list here are like fringe fringe round one, you know, second round guys in, in my opinion. So next up on my, on my list, running back number two is going to be Brian Robinson Jr. So this one's a little bit of a shocker pick, but uh, last year Brian Robinson Jr. operating mainly as Najee Harris's backup. Uh, he had 483 yards, six touchdowns. He came out to just a shy of five and a half yards of carry at 5.3, and he only had six catches. So a lot of this is going to be projection. So the main thing that I seen when I turned on the film was I seen a guy, he's a big physical back, just like Najee was last year. And uh, he's he's very powerful. He's a lot of times fighting for those extra yards. And he's got the same build as like TJ Yeldon did when he was at Alabama. But, like, he's way more physical than T.J. Yeldon, in my opinion. This is a dude that, like, lowers his head and, like, puts the boom on you. Like, it, if he gets second level on a DB, he's, like, running this dude over. Like, it's taking two, three of them guys to take him down. And, like, I remember watching Najee last year. A lot of his games, like, he was a big dude, but he didn't really necessarily use that physicality when running the ball. He, was, he had a lot more, like, jump cuts, and he was more elusive and a lot of, like, hurdles and stuff. But he, he could get the extra yards if needed. Robinson's the opposite. This dude is, like, punishing you. He is hitting you when he's getting the ball. He doesn't have necessarily the elite lateral quickness. Like, Najee, like, I keep saying, comparing this guy to Najee, it's just because that, that's what you're seeing a lot on film. He's splitting carries with the guy. But it, it, he doesn't have the lateral quickness. He doesn't have a lot of the jump cuts and stuff that Najee had. Like I said, he's, he's more of a put your head down, get the extra yards. He's not going to sit there and try to juke you out of your socks. He's uh, and uh, the last bit I wanted to add to it. He's he, he's a capable pass catcher when he's needed to be. Uh, he he's not like a guy you're gonna split out wide and have him run routes out of, like a traditional wide receiver set. But out of the backfield, if you're throwing swings at a guy, you want to throw screens to him. He's gonna be able to handle that. So I like Brian Robinson Jr. I think that he he could be a guy that we look at this year and all of a sudden, man, where'd he come from? Like he's got like 1,200 yards and oh yeah, he's the next up in the long line of Alabama running backs. So the last running back on the list here is going to be Isaiah Spiller. I was a, so Isaiah Spiller is really high on a lot of guys' list. And I, I think he's good. Don't get me wrong. I think he's good. I just don't see elite like everybody was talking about. Uh, 
Spiller had 1,036 yards last year, nine touchdowns, five and a half yards of carry, and about 20 catches for just under, just shy of 200 yards at 193 uh, for Texas A&M. My opinion, he's he's a very shifty, elusive runner, and like I, re- I really like his ability to be like a wide zone scheme. He almost reminded me of like a more laterally quick Tevin Coleman, and like. He had really great jump cuts. Like he, he really did a good job of getting wide and like stopping in his place, jump cutting and taking that back that backside cutback lane. And I don't really think he had like this great elite breakaway speed, you know, like Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle speed. But like he's got good speed. And I just I didn't think he was that physical. I didn't really think like he ran physically like fought for those extra yards and really ran with a lot of power. He was more of like this, like, I don't want to say scat back because he's a little bit bigger than a, like a, your traditional scat back. But, like, he, he had a lot more, like, scat back traits when you watched his film. And just, I, I don't think that that plays well. But, uh, like I said, I, I got a lot of Tevin Coleman vibes from him, especially, like, when they run some, like, outside zone concepts there at Texas A&M. So RB3 in my book, he's, he's closer to, like, a day two kind of guy in my book. I wouldn't take him in round one. But Isaiah Spiller, nonetheless, he's, he's still a top three running back in, coming into the year here. Uh, one of the guys I wanted to mention as an honorable mention here is going to be Kyron Williams, the running back out of Notre Dame. He's got, he's got, I really liked him. Like, he wasn't, another one of them guys that isn't, like, super fast, but, like, this dude is, like, a little bundle of energy, like, just running all over the place. So I think, like, like, it's hard to bring him down four, three, four guys consistently, and I don't, someone's got to get this guy a new helmet. It's popping off all the time every film I watch. So Kyron Williams, another name to watch there on the list. So wide receiver is going to be the next position that we're going to jump into. And wide receiver one in my book is going to be Chris Olave, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. So Olave last year had 50 catches, 729 yards, seven touchdowns. And uh, a lot of people thought that he was going to come out in the draft this year. And uh, a lot of them had like a fringe round one, round two grade on himself. And I kind of think Olave went back and decided to bet on himself, like, much like Devontae Smith did the year prior, where a lot of people had him as like this later day one pick. But I think he's really got the same opportunity where he can go back to school and raise his stock even more. Because look at already, he's, he's the number one wide receiver in our book. And I, I, he's got a first-round grade for me. I think he could really vault himself into that top 15 consideration. And his his game is very similar to Devontae Smith, but at the same time, I don't want to compare the two just because Smith is the first Heisman Trophy winner at the wide receiver position and since Desmond Howard. So, I mean, it's, it's not very common to see guys like Smith come along. But Alave wins in similar ways, uh, just a little bit lesser at each trait, so... The name of his game is it's it's route running, it's winning at the line of scrimmage, it's beating press, and it's it's winning with great hands. So you, you see him win basically straight off the line. I think he's absolutely elite. Guys can't even touch him. And when you see him beat these guys, or even if they're playing off on him, you see him just chewing cover or chewing up cushion every single snap. I think I think he's extremely fast. I think he's going to run like mid four threes in my opinion. I I think he's and the only thing that he doesn't really have working for him, in my opinion, is his hands aren't elite. They're good. They're above, you know, they're, they're great hands. They're not like, oh, my gosh, they're the best I've ever seen. But the, the, 
he's a little bit slender. He's he's about 188 pounds, 185 pounds, six foot one. See, he's a little bit slim, but much like Smith, if he can hold up over this uh, a Big Ten season, I don't really have much concerns there as well. But I I think basically what you see wins in the NFL is elite route running and being able to to beat press man off the line. That's the kind of stuff that translates over. Not necessarily the the, contest, the contested step, or excuse me, the contested catch stuff and building offenses around these guys where they're schemed open. It's the stuff that you can't teach that basically wins at all levels. And I, I think Olave shows that. I think he's athletically gifted. I think he's extremely polished route runner. He's very technically sound. He's going to be able to win at pretty much any point of attack, or excuse me, he's going to be able to win at the line at pretty much every snap. So. Love what he's bringing to the table. So wide receiver two in my book is going to be Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver from Ohio State. So a little bit of a shocker here. We got two Ohio State guys at the top of our wide receiver list at one and two. But uh, Garrett Wilson's game is very similar to Chris Olave's that he wins a lot with route running and being technically sound and beating press at the line. I just think Olave is better at it than Garrett Wilson, and I think Olave is faster. I think that Olave chews up coverage a lot faster than Garrett Wilson. But uh, Wilson, nonetheless, is, is a great receiver in his own as well, too. He's, he's, he's another guy that's not afraid to go over the middle. He's, he's not afraid to give a little shimmy at the top of his route tree and basically get open, break open towards the middle of the field. You see a lot of big-time catches from him. Uh, I, I think that he's going to have a bigger role here. It'll be it'll be very interesting to see how him and Olave perform now that Justin Fields is gone to see if they can post the same kind of production that they've had in the past. But in, in my opinion, he's wide receiver too. He's still a great athlete, and he's a, he's an absolutely phenomenal route runner. And I, I think that the Ohio State's got two great ones there, and they're going to really show it this year in, in 2021, and they're really going to establish themselves with a great passing game. The last guy I wanted to talk about for the wide receivers, uh, the wider, th- excuse me, wide receiver three on my list is this one's a little be a little bit of a surprise for everybody, but if you follow me on Twitter, you're gonna know this already. I love Jahan Dotson, if I'm saying that correctly, Jahan Dotson for Penn State, the wide receiver. Uh, he had 52 catches last year with 884 yards and eight TDs. He averages about 17 yards per catch and. I didn't think I was going to like him this much, but when I turned on the film, he <laughs> they played Ohio State in the week two of the season last year, and he was basically where the Sean Wade career, or excuse me, the Sean Wade college career started on fire, basically, because he was just roasting this guy all day. Like, he was just beating him off the line of scrimmage. He, he basically started the tour saying, like, this guy cannot play football, and I'm going to prove it. And Dots, Jahan Dotson, all over the place. Like he's not huge. He's I think he, he's listed at like five eleven. So he's not got he doesn't have elite size, but I think he's he's got a elite quickness and he's very sudden in and out of his routes. So he's great with his stems where he's he's driving you or he's he's fighting you inside to to stack you up here. Gives you an outside look, gets back inside. He's he's great with his his route running. And he's very sudden in and out of the breaks. So you see him win down the field a lot too. Like it 
for a 5'11 guy, he's winning down the field more than he should be. The only thing that I saw on his tape that could use a little bit of improvement, I, I thought there was a, a few concentration jo- drops. Uh, he can clean that up this year and prove that he's not. I also don't think it's very favorable. He's he's working with a terrible quarterback there at Penn State. Clifford had an absolutely terrible year last year, in my opinion. So it, it's going to be tough to post better numbers. But hopefully Clifford can show some improvement and get the ball his way a little bit more often. Because I think Dotson, he, he's got a first-round grade in my book. I, I love this guy. I think he's going to be great. So that's wide receiver three in my book. A couple other guys. Uh, wide receiver, once again, it's... It's going to be super deep. I know there's a lot of guys that, and actually wide receiver four on my list right now is Justin Ross. I, I, I like what he's got. As long as he comes back healthy from that neck injury, he's going to have every opportunity in the book. There's a lot of guys like David Bell and Ty Freifogel that are going to be able to show out as well too. Uh, it's a really deep class. It's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out and see if any of these guys can kind of separate their name from everybody else that's getting thrown into the mix here. So that'll be it for uh, day one of the summer scouting. Uh, let us know what you think, uh, if there's anybody we missed, if there's anybody you think that is just outlandishly ranked too high, um, if you think I'm crazy for the Jahan Dotson love. But uh, that's going to be it for today's episode. Make sure you tune in next week where we dive into the trenches and the tight end group. We're going to go through a top three at each position there as well, name some honorable mentions. So appreciate everybody tuning in. So that's going to be it for today's episode. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoyed some of that stuff with the summer scouting. Um, Make sure you follow along or hit subscribe. We're going to be coming back to you with another episode, uh, more summer scouting stuff. We're going to get into the trenches starting this next week here. So once again, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, Make sure you hit subscribe, tune in for next week's show. Otherwise, have a great week. We'll see you next week.